most success stories, the common denominator was an incredibly high level of passion and that feeling inside that in order for me to be true to myself, I have to do this. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of A Congruent Life. I'm Andy Gray, and thanks for joining us. I'm talking today with Eric Plantenberg. Eric is the co-founder of Freedom Personal Development, the creator of a retreat called Abundant Living, and is now the core values ambassador of Kombucha Mama, a thriving kombucha company here in our hometown of Bend, Oregon. Eric and I met for coffee the other day, and I got the feeling we could have talked for hours. I'm really glad to be welcoming him to A Congruent Life. Eric, Welcome. Andy, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Boy, Eric, you've done so many things and involved in so many different pieces of life. I don't don't even know where to start, really. Maybe just kind of at a top level, could you describe for our listeners that haven't heard of you a little bit about what you do in the world? Well, <laughs> that's a big question. Andy. I know it's a really big question. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I do in the world is I, I simply care deeply about people and I care deeply about making an impact. The way that that normally shows up for me is in the various businesses that I'm involved in and in the very various nonprofits that I'm involved in. Um, yeah, I had a mentor when I was a raft guide uh, back in the early 90s. Uh, his name was BR. I was really into kayaking, really into raft guiding. I just thought it was the coolest thing in the whole world. And, you know, what BR said to me that really made uh, it just made a tremendous shift in what ended up transpiring over the next 20 some years is he's like, Eric, you know, you can really be focused on the things that make you happy. You can, you know, kayak all over the world and you can spend your day on the river or you can be focused on how do you make an impact in other people's lives. And here's the thing about that. He said, if, you, if you're focused on you and your dreams and your goals, you're going to be able to have a lot of fun and you're potentially going to be kind of, for lack of a better term, stuck doing the things that are in your space of, of what you know and experience. And at the time for me, again, that was rafting. He said, if you really focus on enriching other people's lives and using your skill set outwardly instead of inwardly, said what will happen is truly going to be miraculous because door after door after door will open in your life and they will open through relationships and through connections with other people. And uh, I'm just really glad that, that somebody sat me down and shared that with me because if I look back at all of the things that I've experienced, it's always been through some sort of a relationship that has led me somewhere that I would have never thought to go all by myself. 
So the way that that has shown up for you in much of your professional life anyway has been through the personal development field. And you created this company called Freedom Personal Development. I did, yeah, with my best friend from college. So it was uh, a couple of years after that that I had done, been done rafting and actually wasn't done with it. I, I kayaked for like the next 10 years all over the world, which was super fun, but I didn't need to be a kayak instructor or raft guide. I actually did dive in and I started Freedom Personal Development. And that, like many great endeavors, really happened by accident. I had a job. I was uh, a sales manager for a startup company and we were selling dog treats of all things. So here, here I am, you know, living this glamorous raft guide kayaker life. And then the next thing you know, I'm a dog treat salesman. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought? But that was all about a relationship. I met a guy that I really admired and I thought, you know, this is somebody that I have a lot to learn from. And this is somebody that's tremendously passionate about what he's doing. Um, he and the, the founder of the company were just, just people that I was just really inspired by their passion. So I had no desire, no intention of being a dog treat salesman. But then the next thing you know, I was. Um, I got pretty bored with that pretty quick, even though I loved the people that I was working with. So one day I was doing a, a meeting for one of our distributors and I just couldn't talk about dog treats another day. I just couldn't do it. So I wrote this little talk on how to really be passionate about your career, which I was at the time, even though I wasn't super passionate about dog treats. Um, how do you be really passionate about your career by setting goals that were really meaningful to you and communicating authentically and directly with people and then really paying attention and managing uh, your time and like, what do you do in the day? So I did that that program in about 25 or 30 minutes, and I was 24 years old at the time, and this really, um, just this really gentlemanly man who owned the distributorship, he was probably 65 years old, he came up to me, and he just looked at me with a, a really funny look, and I had no idea what he was going to say, and he just said, son, who told you to say all that stuff today? <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, crap, you know, my, 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 is my boss going to hear about this or like what's going to happen? And I, I just I gave it to him honestly and just said, I said, well, sir, it was me. Um, and I was trying to shield my boss, actually. And, and it was me. I mean, it was it was just true, even though I didn't want to fess up to it. And he looked at me and he said, you know, that was the finest staff meeting that I've seen in 30 years. And I was really, I was really humbled by that. And then I was really inspired by that because I went, wow, now this is something that I love. I mean, I just really love this. So that, that was the, the birth of Freedom Personal Development uh, back in 1996. That's quite an auspicious start, <laughs> kind of a scary start, but it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. So, so what kind of form did your work uh, with Freedom Personal Development take over the last, what, 16 years or so? Yeah, you know, it's 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 definitely changed. Um, so I call on the plane ride home uh, from that distributor meeting. I literally wrote out a couple of notes on the on the napkin, like the the textbook business plan on a napkin, and I I called my best friend Roger Sipe, who we had worked together in college and been friends for a bunch of years. And I said, Roger, we're starting a company, and he said, Awesome, let's do it. And we we both threw literally, I think it was three thousand dollars in a shoebox, literally, and we launched a company. And we had no idea what we we're doing. We had no real business plan. We had no credibility. 
And we just were excited. We were just excited about being in business for ourselves. And we were really excited about personal development. We were reading books and listening to audio programs and going to seminars. And we had been doing so for years. So it wasn't, it wasn't new to us. Um, when I was 18 years old, my first boss uh, gave me a copy of Augmandino's book. And I had read Dan Millman. This is a book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, a couple of years ago. And, you know, this book just really resonated with me, Andy. I, I, I really believe that inside of everyone is tremendous capacity and tremendous potential to do good in the world. And when, when I was shown that if you follow your dreams and if you do the things that you're most passionate about and do them with people that you can learn from and are connected to – that everything expands and grows. So that's re that's really how it started. You know, we um, started talking about the importance of, of working on yourself and the importance of following your dreams. And people loved it, referred us to other people. And, you know, 16 years later, we're still having fun. I'm always fascinated about stories like that. I mean, you were a fairly young guy, right? You didn't really have any real, quote unquote, credibility or, you know, any real credentials to go do something as crazy as all this. It takes a bit of audacity and boldness and a sense of self to be able to launch into something like that without a business plan and without a you know, clear set of opportunities. And it's like, well, how is this business going to survive? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people face that. A lot of people face that. Can I do what I'm passionate about? And, you know, from the outset, of course, we didn't have any credibility, really, we didn't have any – actually, the, the couple of notes that I put in a real makeshift business plan, I took to the director of entrepreneurship at the University of Wisconsin where I was an alumni. And I thought, hey, I'm going to start a business. I might as well go to my you know, alma mater and you know, talk to the entrepreneurship guy. And he just looked at me and he's like, I would give this business plan an F if it was submitted as a, as a, as a project. And I think the chances of it ever working are basically next to none. You've got a ton of talent. You should go out and get a job. Like you, you could get a great paying job. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And to be fair, he wasn't just being a prick. I mean, he was, he, was a, he was a nice enough guy. And the work that I had done to create the business plan probably was, you know, D work. But, you know, his lack of faith in lack of perspective about my passion was completely disregarded. It was completely overlooked. And I think that that's really, really common for people in themselves. Uh, one of the businesses that I'm involved in right now is called Kombucha Mama. It's, it's here in Bend, Oregon. And I was, having, I was having lunch with a really, really dynamic, influential woman in our community yesterday. And she knows a bit about our business and is on the Bend 2030 committee and is really a, a leader in the community. And she goes, the thing about kombucha mama that I just love is that Jamie Danik and my wife, uh, who are the founders, but this, this woman, Jamie, especially she's like, she has thrown all of her chips in, you know, here's a woman that's 40 some years old, had no business starting a kombucha company, didn't know what kombucha was, had never been in the natural foods market, had never sold to natural grocers, had two kids that are, that are heading to college. I mean, she's risking financially uh, all of her savings. And the reason that I mention this is that so many times people look at my story and they're like, well, yeah, Eric, you know, you, you could throw 
every dollar that you had, all 3,000 of them, in a, in a shoebox when you were 25 years old and you could risk going broke because you didn't have kids and you didn't have a wife and you didn't have a mortgage and, you know, you were just a kid. You know, it was, it was kind of like playing. Well, the, the thing, I, I get that. And I, I, I get that at different stages in life, you're more available to make those kind of bold moves. But there's never, in my experience, a good time to not follow your passions. I mean, life is just too short. And I admire Jamie so much for seeing something that she cares about so much. And even though she didn't have the credibility and didn't have all the resources and didn't have the knowledge, she's just like, I love this. I care about this. It's in my heart. I'm going to do it. And I mean, they're seeing three-figure growth in their company. I mean, they're over 100% growth uh, the last three years. And I mean, this year they're going to grow fourfold. So I think that most success stories, the common denominator is not the life situation somebody was in. The common denominator was an incredibly high level of passion and that feeling inside that in order for me to be true to myself, I have to do this. And I think that when people don't listen to that voice inside of them, I'm not going to say that bad things happen. I'll just say maybe all of the good things that could happen don't. So your F business plan aside and the life circumstances aside, where did that come from for you? Where, where was the source of that both passion and confidence that you and your friend could go make this business work as a 25-year-old? Ah, yeah, for, for both of us, we were already living it. So what I had personally experienced from personal development uh, you know, the, the life changes that I experienced reading Dan Millman's book were really profound. Um, the, 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 well, the career growth that I'd been able to have, I mean, I basically went from a kid who was, you know, 18 years old, had no experience, nothing. My friends were going home to Green Bay, Wisconsin to get factory jobs in the summer. And because of the training that I received and because of the, the mentorship that I received, I mean, by the time I was 18 years old, I was making $1,000 a week in the summertime. By the time I graduated from college, I was making $3,000 a week. And this is, this is back in the early 90s when that was actually a, a whopping load of money. So I knew that people that were stuck in their career that couldn't really excel, it wasn't because they weren't smart. I, I'm not smarter than anybody. It wasn't because they didn't have opportunity. I mean, everybody has opportunity. It's simply how did they see themselves and what were they able to really realize about their potential? I had lived that for, what, seven years prior to developing our company. I mean, I traveled to Africa, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, went to the Middle East, traveled all over North America. I think I was in like 30-some states by the time I was 23. Um, so I had I had really had a rich experience for the last handful of years. And I just wanted to share it. I, I remember being in those distributor meetings and looking at people that were kind of zombie-like. I mean, here they are in their jobs and I'm selling dog treats. So you can't say that I had the most glamorous job in the world, but I loved it. I mean, I love the people I work with. I love the growth we were seeing. We went from 200 stores to 2000 stores in a year. And uh, 
that was simply because we were turned on about what we were doing. And I wanted to share that. I thought, you know, there's more people that would love this message. And it turns out that, that I was right, that it, it, it wasn't just me, you know, hundreds of thousands of people later, um, you know, people really care about growth. They care about a, a balanced, fulfilled, harmonious life. And, um, and I just love what I do. So it's all sorts of fun. So a lot of your work in freedom, personal development has, I don't know if I want to say culminated, but it's grown into this thing that you call the abundant living retreat, which maybe would you consider that to be like a flagship kind of program for freedom? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's really the the thing that, yeah, I, I could say that. I think that's the program that I care the most about. It's certainly the one that I'm the most invested in right now. Um, abundant living is something that we do once or twice a year. It's a four-day retreat. Uh, how this came about is actually pretty funny. Um, in 2010, our daughter May was born in January of the year, and Michelle looked at me and just said, you know, when May is born, why don't we just nest for a little bit? You know, let's just, I'll take a sabbatical from Kombucha Mama, which I have to point this out because so many people, I'm not sure how many people listening to this are entrepreneurs or, or starting their own businesses, but I, I love bragging about Michelle a little bit on this because here she is. She launched a company in, in the spring of 2009, um, right when she was getting pregnant. So she, um, she was pregnant for nine of the first 12 months of their business. And then immediately after the baby came, she said, you know, Eric, let's just walk away from our jobs, from our businesses for like two or three months. And let's just the three of us nest. Let's just go somewhere where nobody can call us and let's just hang out as a family. And so many entrepreneurs, Andy, just don't give themselves permission to really le live their life the way that they want to. They believe that they have to do X, Y, and Z. And in turn, I know this is cliche, but they don't own their business. Their business owns them. And a lot of people, they don't have a job. They have a job that has them. And Michelle said, you know, we're going to leave my family. And this time is more important to me than the growth of our, our new company. She had a great conversation with Jamie, her partner. And uh, we, we headed off to, to South America for three months to just kind of hole up and, um, and not do any work. But when I got there, this woman who is so sweet <laughs> – um, she's passed away since her name is Mary Tutton and Mary and I had become friends with Michelle, uh, years earlier. Uh, so I get down there with the baby, we're nesting, we're hanging out at Mary's house and she just looks at me and she's like, okay, Mr. Goal setting guy, life is going to change now that you have a baby. So now that you're a father and now that this, all of this life change is going to happen, what would you do? If you could do anything professionally, if you had no limitations and you had no constraints on time or money, like what would you want to do? And it's so funny because I ask questions like this uh, of, of clients and in workshops, you know, pretty frequently. But the way she phrased it was just a way that I had never quite considered it before. And she really put me on the spot. She was like, you know, no wiggle room on this one. I tried to, you know, evade the question a little bit and she just wasn't having it. So I finally said, okay, fine, Mary, what I would do if I could do anything is I would do a fully intensive retreat. It would be four days long. 
um, long enough and longer than a weekend so that people could really immerse. It could be immersion, but not a week or two weeks because then nobody would go because they couldn't get off work. So I would do it for four days long and it would center around career, relationships, physical health, and financial freedom. And it would just be completely intensive. The curriculum would be 24 hours a day. Of course, people would sleep, but they'd get exercise. They'd eat amazing food. They'd work on their jobs. They'd build their relationships, and they would really get uh, a transformational experience that would, that would literally propel their whole lives forward. And that's what I said. And Mary just looks at me, and she's like, all right, when are you going to do it? And, um, and I was kind of in a pickle because here I am and I just mapped out that thing that really filled my heart and it just came out of my mouth. I'd never really thought of it that way. And then, um, you know, she put my feet to the fire. So we did the first one, um, about 10 months later, nine months later, and, um, we've been doing them ever since. So it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great experience. It's definitely the, the piece of personal development that I think is the most unique and impactful in the, in the entire Eric Plantenberg world. So speaking of doing things that you're passionate about, you're cruising along, you've built this great company, you've you know, set up sort of an ideal lifestyle in many ways with work that you love, and then you abruptly left. What was behind all of that? I love it when you say I abruptly left and and my mind goes to like three or four times. <laughs> which time? <laughs> that's actually a pretty good sign if that's if you don't know exactly what I mean. Uh, yeah, you know, um, all my Buddhist friends, um, they really, really stress the importance of non-attachment. So apparently I'm not very attached to my career. Um, yeah, this, this recently... Well, left is, it, it is that in that I was the CEO and really the, the executive director of Freedom Personal Development for the last, call it 16 years. And I took a couple of years sabbatical in there, three years where that wasn't my job. I turned it over to some other people, but I was advising. And, and now I'm just, I'm, I'm really just doing abundant living. So what happened was um, when Edge was born, our youngest, uh, Michelle and I looked at each other and we said, well, we had so much fun you know, taking some time when, when our daughter was born, that let's do the same thing again. So we went to Mexico, uh, this past January and basically unplugged again, you know, very, very little phone activity, basically no internet. And we sat on the beach and we were just a family. And I woke up one day, um, the girls had been consistently talking about expanding their, their business, the kombucha business. And I had no intention. I had actually told them a couple times that I would love the CEO job of Kombucha Mama, but that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not available. Well, one day I was sitting on the beach and, you know, I, I, I certainly am not a victim. And, um, and I don't want to say that I didn't have a choice in the matter, but I'm just sitting there and it was like the decision was made for me. I was sitting on the beach and I just knew I had to resign from the CEO position. Um, I had to just step away from what I was doing and it just completely felt right for me to, to shift things up. And what I find pretty interesting about this experience for me is at the time, none of the logical pieces made any sense to me. Um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty logical guy. You know, I, I use my, my left brain and I think somewhat linearly, but I, as I was sitting there, 
it, it had none of that. There was no reason or rationale. It was just, I have to do this. I'm going to resign from running Freedom Personal Development. I'll still do the retreat because I love that so much. Um, but for the most part, I'm just going to turn that over to the rest of the capable people in the company. And I'm going to, you know, go run the kombucha company. As I look back on it months later, um, now it's really easy for me to identify all of the logical reasons why that was the right decision. But when I was in it, man, it just didn't make any sense at all. I just knew that I had to do it. So I guess that's, uh, that's kind of the, kind of the short answer, Andy. So I'm curious, I'm curious to hear from you. I mean, you interview a lot of really, really interesting people and your personal background in the, in the tech business and then stepping into this personal development space yourself is really, from my experience, profound. I mean, I loved listening to, to your vision of how that happened. But talk to me. I, I'm curious to get your take on this for anybody. Like, when is it the right time for someone to make a big life shift? Like, when do you go from doing what you've always been doing to doing something new? That's the question I want an answer to, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what you were alluding to before is actually the right answer in that there's never a right time. There's something there's something intuitive about this process where all of a sudden you just can't not do it. You know, there's a certain amount of listening to your heart, to your intuition, to your soul, whatever, and, and actually honoring what that's telling you. Because I think that there's an internal wisdom that we tend to ignore. It's very convenient to ignore that and to simply live life as we always do and sort of go through the motions and, and live the life that we're, quote unquote, supposed to live. And I think that it's those times of separation, you know, like your example, sitting on the beach in Mexico, where we create enough spaciousness in our lives that we can actually listen to, to what that wisdom is telling us. Man, that's awesome. I'm just listening to you going, uh-huh, preach it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess I think that, I guess the question that I have is why don't we collectively as a society listen to that intuition more? Because I believe it's in everyone. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's just in the wise medicine women type people that are so famous and so iconic for listening to that sixth sense and listening to their their feelings um but man i think that's a that's a big 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 deal I'm, i don't know why i'm reminded of this right now but i'm thinking of simon sinek's ted talk uh where he draws out the circles and and he really says start with why which is a great book by the way i've really enjoyed reading that book and i think that why a lot of times is if not irrational at least illogical it doesn't necessarily connect dots linearly and just having that feeling of why I exist, why am I here, why, you know, why does the the solar system wrap around itself like it does? Um, I think that when, at least when I tap into that why and that purpose, everything seems to work out in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're exactly right in that we all do have that wisdom within us. And I don't know why we don't pay more attention to that. You know, we've, it seems like we live our scripts. We, we live the lives that we're supposed to live. And for whatever reason, we don't call time out and take the time to tap into what that wisdom is telling us. Yeah. Well, 
I'm psyched that it doesn't have to be that way all the time. It definitely doesn't have to be that way all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Which is exactly what this show is about, you know, that having these conversations to really talk about authenticity and, and to share some of these stories of people that are defining authenticity in very different ways. You know, there's no real answer of this is what it means, but people are having the wherewithal to do that exploration for them. And sometimes that's forced upon them, right? There's sometimes there's some sort of crisis or, or loss that forces a change. But sometimes it's really a matter of just stepping back and saying, you know what, my life isn't really working the way that I want it to right now. And so something's got to shift. And then being able to, you know, it's, it's a courageous decision to say, you know what, let's, let's explore this, let's lean into it, let's do something differently than the way that maybe it's been up until my, you know, now in my life. Well, you know, I really love that. And one of the things that I love about it is is that so many people confuse positivity with authenticity. Mm -hmm. And it takes, um, you know, it takes a real open heart to look in the mirror and go, yeah, my life isn't the way that I want it. This relationship isn't working for me. Um, I don't love my career the way that I really want to love my career. And I think that that's such a big deal for people to be able to be honest enough with themselves. Not being a whiner or a complainer is a big difference between being authentically like this doesn't work for me and bitching and complaining a lot. Um, but to really, I know that sometimes it's hard for me. Um, Michelle and I just are, I think, wrapping up a very hard cycle in our marriage. And it's been really interesting watching us stay positive and true and real to ourselves and then also find the places in our marriage where we're like, you know, this just isn't cool. You know, this just doesn't work. This isn't who we want to be. Um, you know, that's been a, a, a really a hard, but a, a good experience. I think at least for me, it has, I think she would, she would echo that. Mm. How I got on our marriage. I don't know, Andy. I just, <laughs> I, just I just, I just went there. <laughs> No, that's, it's all part of authenticity, right? It's, it's about asking those questions of what is working and what is not working. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that that I'd like to ask you about is what would you consider to be some of your notable failures and what have they taught you? <laughs> yeah. Just a light question for you. Oh, there. yeah. No, there's so many of them. I feel like I've failed miserably in my marriage for most of the last eight years. <laughs> um, you know, I... Why I say that is I remember it was about six months. Michelle and I took a three-year sabbatical where we traveled all over the world. And and people hear about that. We went to 50 countries and left our, our jobs and stuff like that. And people are like, oh, my God, you guys are amazing. And, oh, that's great. And, I mean, my first thought is, is wow, you should have been there because it was torture for at least a part of it. Um you know, to, to, I guess to answer this question, I think that I fail pretty regularly in the extremist view that my personality brings out. It's like when I do something, even, you know, even the things I'm passionate about, I don't necessarily have much of a governor. And that's something that I'm just praying, like I'm on my hands and knees praying to God, the universe, and anybody else will listen, that um, as I continue to grow older, that that wisdom will will somehow hit me because it's, it's slow and catching up. Um, 
So, you know, like when I, when I look at our marriage, we, um, you know, we dove into this thing with so much passion and so many big dreams. And then we put ourselves in a crucible where for, for three straight years, we were together 24 hours a day, seven days a week, most of the time in cultures that we didn't speak the language and didn't have any friends. Um, so that just seemed like the most fun ever coming into it. And then when we got there, both of us looked at each other and were like, wow, we're way in over our heads. I mean, I know that Michelle could have just used a girlfriend like more than a couple of times and I just needed some space. So, um, I mean, the, the good news about that was, is that it, we definitely, uh, have subscribed into the, that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And I really do think that our marriage is much stronger because of um, some of the wacko situations that we've put ourselves in. And, an and another one, and I could just go on these for a long time, Andy, so shut me up. Um, you know, I really took on a huge mountaineering project uh, to climb a couple of the, the biggest mountains in the, in the Himalaya. Well, one of them, Michelle was seven months pregnant, and then one of them, our, our daughter was about a year old. And I was gone for 40 and 70 days um, at, you know, really critical times in our family's junction, or our family's growth. So I would say that if I had to encapsulate or like put my thumb on where I fail, it's simply by over committing and by really allowing my optimism and my ability to, to have a lot of energy. I mean, I have a lot of energy. I meditate, I do yoga. I don't need to sleep. Uh, as much as, as I think uh, maybe I used to think that I did. And, um, and I just take on a lot. And that has, um, as Michelle puts it, that comes with collateral damages. I have uh, three young sons, and they'll kill me if I don't ask more about this. They're, they're um, in their young teenage years, 14, 12, and 10, and fascinated by Mount Everest. Okay. So <laughs> can you talk a bit about your experience climbing Mount Everest and <laughs> what motivated that and what it was like? Uh, yeah, I had a, I mean, it was the most fun ever. I, I wish, I'm going to call Michelle in here so that she can get on. <laughs> too, so. We'll do a separate conversation with her maybe. Oh yeah. She's, <laughs> she's awesome. Um, you know, I mean, climbing the mountain, I guess I'll just talk about that itself. It was, it was a lifelong dream. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you hear about as a little kid. And, and then I read about it when I was a teenager and then I saw it when I was in my late twenties trekking and it just, you know, it's this thing that uh, just inspires me and I think many other people to just really see what they've got under the hood. Um, what it wasn't about is it wasn't about, uh, you know, conquering the highest peak on the planet or any of that crap. That's not really important to me. It definitely wasn't about like bragging rights or resume. Um, it has had a much bigger impact on my speaking business than I thought it would. Like I, I actually didn't think that any of my clients or potential clients would care. And to be totally honest, they do. You know, the fact that I've climbed Everest, they, they want to hear about it. They hire me because I have. Um, that was completely unintentional. And um, for me, um, as a, I love athletics. I love running, biking, swimming, being out in nature. And I think a big part of it was is as it just stacks up, that's the type of climbing that I'm really, really good at. We have this great uh, rock climbing 
sport climbing uh, area real close to my house called Smith Rock. And, you know, there's recreational, very recreational climbers that are out there climbing, you know, 5'8", 5'10", 5'12", routes that I would never come close to, like no interest or desire. And there's probably, you know, tens of thousands of people in America that can climb routes like that. Um, but high altitude, really cold, really long expeditions just happen to fit like what I love and what I'm good at. So, I mean, to your kids, I would say that when when following their passions about whatever sort of sports or activities or whether it's music or art or whatever it is, is to really align with the things that you naturally love and are good at. Um, you know, I have a daughter that's super, super into music right now. Uh, she's three years old. She's singing all the time. She plays piano and guitar. I mean, not like super in tune or anything like that, but she just naturally gravitates it and, to it and picks it up. And I, I think that, again, intuitively, this is, I think, the exact same thing that we were talking about earlier is, is that there's a voice inside of us that says this is where you need to go. And mine was really clear. It said you have to go to Mount Everest. And um, and I loved it. And I love the culture. I, I love the, the Sherpa and the, the Buddhist culture. And I just love that part of the world. So, you know, it called me and I said yes. And I have a very, very, very emphasized, very patient wife. So Eric, you're involved in all kinds of different things. I mean, we could, we could talk for hours about your stories, but what do you want your legacy or your spiritual footprint, if you will, to be on the world? Oh, you know, that's such a big question. And I hope that I would be able to answer that on my deathbed. Um, you know, I was there with my grandfather when he said goodbye to the physical world when he was 93 years old. And I feel like he had a pretty good handle on it. But even at that point, and like he was guru status in my life, just really, really impactful. Um, but I, I don't know that he was even totally clear on that. Um, even when he was passing, I mean, maybe this is a, a little bit corny, but I would hope that the people that spend time with me, um, look at themselves in a better light. I would hope that somebody that, that I work with or that, that I go on a climbing trip with, or that I'm, you know, one of the, one of the parents in our community where our kids are all running around together. I would, I think I just hope that if somebody spent enough time with me, they would look in the mirror and they would like the picture that they saw in the mirror better because of our interactions. That would, that'd be a, a grand slam home run in my life. Mm. That's an inspiring answer. Thanks. So what's next for you, Eric? What's going on in your world that you're excited about right now? Um, like next, next, if I'm super present, I'm probably changing a diaper sometime in the next 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's probably super high on my list. <laughs> um, you know, I'm running a 50 K in the next couple of weeks. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, I'm taking the, taking my daughter to school a couple days a week. She's three and is in school. And then we're opening up this new kombucha facility, uh, this month. So we're going to take our production and increase it. We fourfold increase last year. We're going to do another four to five fold increase this year. So those are pretty good. Um, Yeah. And then there's this, this um, nonprofit that I would love to plug because I, I love that it's called kids in the game. And one of our, 
well, core missions is to make sure that every child in America has the ability to play sports. Um, if they come from families where financially that's not available, it's something like 73% of kids are dropping out of organized sports before they're 14 years old. And a lot of that is for financial reasons. And I think that that has a lot of negative implications when it comes to physical health, leadership, drug use, alcohol use, teen pregnancy. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing a bunch of events for them. I've just, um, recently put on the board of directors. So I'll be real, real active with them for this next year too. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, life, life is full. It sounds like it's busy and full and wonderful. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. How can our listeners engage with you, Eric? Ah, uh, Eric Plantenberg.com. Uh, Eric, E-R-I-C Plantenberg, P-L-A-N-T-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. I do a video, I don't know if you know about this, but I do a video every Monday morning called Happy Monday. Uh, people, most people at least, dread going to work on Monday morning. It's been, studies have proven that the average person in America smiles around 11.15 on Monday morning. Come on, people. <laughs> so um, I threw out a video first thing in the morning, Monday morning, that is um, – some combination of entertaining and inspirational, uh, thought-provoking. I, I put out different topics, so that's a that's a great way to, to to engage with me, Andy. I'd love to see any of your listeners plugging into Tappy Monday. They're like two or three minutes long, so it's just a fun kickoff to the week. Fantastic. Yeah, and come to the Abundant Living Retreat if um, if people think that that sounds like fun of unplugging from their life and plugging into themselves and their goals. Um, our next retreat's in February, and you can always get that information at ericplantenberg.com too. Fantastic. We'll be sure to link to all that stuff. Thank you. So is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity? I think they're already doing it. My final thought would be that the time that anyone has spent, you know, this last whatever it's been 20 or 30 minutes um, listening to this conversation of authenticity is really time well spent. I, I personally, and this goes back to, you know, the beginnings, back to the late 80s and early 90s, have found that to become your most authentic self, it doesn't happen by accident that tuning into podcasts like this one, reading books, um, being in mindful conversations with other people on this topic, it's a pursuit that's worthwhile. It's, it's really, it's not a lot of heavy lifting work, but it requires effort and intentionality. And I guess I would just congratulate everybody for listening to this program and for to plugging into your work, Andy, because this is it's important and it and it's my experience at least that it, it makes an impact. Well, awesome. Thanks very much. Yeah. And uh, Eric Plantenberg, thanks very much for spending this time with us. I'm really grateful for the connection and thanks for sharing your stories today. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Have a great week. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Eric Plantenberg. The show notes for this episode can be found at acongruentlife.net slash 24. There all include links to many of Eric's resources, including his blog, his TEDx talk, and information about his Abundant Living Retreat. Please do check out our mailing list. On the website, there's a box there where you can enter your email address. And if you do that, I'll share weekly updates with interesting conversations that we've got going on and keep you up to date with what's going on with the A Congruent Life Project. Thanks again for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I really do appreciate your support of this project. I can't say that enough. Thanks a lot for tuning in and we'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.